I am recording. Welcome to episode 268. Wow, are you the... just going to jump into it right there? <laughs> like you're just going <laughs> to fucking do it? Yeah. All right. All right. Well, what do you want me to do? Wait five seconds let, and then go? <laughs> let me get a let me get a sip of my Coca-Cola here. Oh, for fuck's sake. If you're not going to be ready when you hit record, then what's the point of hitting record, Marshall? Sorry. Okay, I'm ready. I accept your apology. Welcome to episode 268 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. How's it going? Why, why do you wait so long after I say my name every time? It's such a, it's such a pregnant pause. I did this last time, too. All right, all right, all right. Are you waiting for me to say something? No, this is staying in. <laughs> but are, you, are you waiting for me to say something? Like, uh, building suspense. Like, oh, are they going to go straight into an ad read? Or are they going to... going to have sort of a riff riff at the front you know yeah well i guess i guess the latter is true this time yeah so right now we are uh, i think it's useful to provide some listener context we're currently facetiming as we record this conversation (laughs) yes but it is not our faces that we are facetiming with uh in fact we are what is it called memoji memoji facetiming and holy shit we got very distracted for a long time (laughs) making our faces look like piles of shit and various animals and human uh, configurations uh, before we could muster up the discipline to press the record button i'll share a picture yeah we'll we'll share a picture of of this recording session uh so that's the context dear listeners is it's very hard for us to take each other seriously right now yeah imagine brian with a rooster head and me with a very cartoon version of my face yeah Yours looks real. I guess I look a little bit like a rooster in real life, if you think about it. I'm thinking about it, but whatever. Continue. Not getting there. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get into today's episode. Before we do, we want to thank our sponsors for making uh, the show possible. First up, thank you to Protopie. Protopie is a high-fidelity prototyping tool, making it incredibly easy to bring to life anything that you can imagine and design in a screen design tool. It has a very unique conceptual model that makes it really, really easy to learn how to use Protopie and build really powerful interactions using something that feels like natural language uh, with layers and uh, metaphors for interactions and timings. That makes so much sense. It's a, it's a wonderful tool. And the great thing is it's available on Mac and Windows. Uh, it also supports Adobe XD on Windows. So for people who have been frustrated with the lack of design tooling on PCs, this is your tool. Uh, Protopie is cross-platform. Uh, in addition to working on Android and iPhones. So those high-fidelity prototypes that you're creating, you can run them on device, on your iPhone or your Android phone, and utilize sensors like the microphone, 3D touch, tilt, and compass. All of these sensors and more are at your disposal, making it easy to make even more high-fidelity prototypes that look and feel like the actual thing will work on your real user's devices. Additionally, you can preview all of prototypes on the web and desktop, making it very easy to share with a URL that makes collaboration easier than ever before. This is an awesome tool, a beautiful learning curve, a beautiful mental model for building high-fidelity high prototypes, and you can use it on your Mac, PC, iPhone, Android, and share it with other people on a web browser. Like, It's just checking all the boxes of what you need to collaborate well on building great prototypes. So you should go check it out. It's at protopie.io. That's P-R-O-T-O-P-I-E dot I-O. <laughs> 
Well, I realized when I said pi that maybe someone's like P-I. Yeah, is there another way to spell proto? But then there's definitely more than one way to spell pi. <laughs> Go to protopi.io. Uh, you get a seven-day free trial, but then when you sign up... How do you spell I-O? <laughs> Shit. That's protopi.io. That's dot I-O. You're going to get a 17-day free trial. So you, you sign up and get a seven-day free trial, but then you, when you sign in, they're going to hook you up with an extra 10 days for free. And then when you're ready to upgrade, they want to offer you, dear listeners, 30% off when you use the promo code design details that's all one word promo code design details that promo code design details is valid until october 30th 2018 and that's going to save you 30 percent. so once again go to protopi.io and check it out it's it's uh, a great tool and if you need something that's going to change the way that you and your team collaborate this is a great alternative to to all the other prototyping tools out there so thank you to protopi so i have a couple questions not for you, Brian, but for you, dear listener. Oh. Yes. Yes, you. Are you looking for a job? Are you, are you looking to work at a, an amazing company? Also, do you live near Chicago or Austin, Texas? Well, if so. <laughs> if you answered <laughs> yes to either or both of these <laughs> yeah. questions. Dial 1-800. No. Um, <laughs> mesothelioma. Uh, <laughs> so Asana, which is a great company, is, is looking to hire some new people. And if you're looking for a new company to work at, this could be a match made in heaven. So they're going to be in Chicago in late October. That's this month, 2018, and Austin in early November. So what they're doing is they're, they're going to do some short interviews with a bunch of people. They're looking for product designers and design managers at all levels, and they're trying to find some super cool experienced people. So they're going to be in each of those cities for three to four days running these little interviews. If you live close, you can drive in, meet up, and hopefully get that gig. Uh, if not, uh, contact them, and they'll be willing to potentially fly you out to do this interview. So even if you don't live near these areas, you can still get a chance to interview. If you're successful and you get that gig, uh, they're going to pay you and support you to relocate to San Francisco and start working with their teams. So that's six people that they're looking for, six lucky winners. Hopefully someone who hears about them through this podcast is is one or all six of those lucky winners. But uh, if you're looking for more info on this, go to Asana. That's A-S-A-N-A, -A -A, as long as we're, as long as we're spelling Asana. things out. <laughs> Spelled like it sounds. A-S-A-N-A -A dot design. Asana dot design. And there's a couple links at the top, one for product designers and one for design managers. Click on that and you get a little bit more info. And while you're there, check out, uh, check out some of the other stuff on that page. There's some nice little blog posts at the bottom. I mentioned last week that I'd read an a article about... Um, key lessons for designing a, a popular design system but there's some really cool stuff in there so while you're at it do some reading too can't hurt right never hurt nobody right reading never killed anybody <laughs> go to asana.design <laughs> check it out hope you get one of those gigs and uh thanks to asana for uh, sponsoring this episode on to the show on to the show we've got some follow-up this week first we want to call out uh some new itunes reviews that came in that, uh, you know, we say we check these, but uh, it turns out we forgot to check them for about two weeks. So we got a couple uh, new reviews from Cameron Campbell, who says he or she loves the podcast. The hosts are having fun. Uh, that's true. We are having fun. And we, we are not stodgy and unafraid to memoji our way through this. Uh -huh. Kitty 16 great username, uh, has been listening to the show. Quora Superstar uh, is enjoying has enjoyed our tone shifts between the serious and the goofy. And this is me, Ashton. Ashton doesn't revite, 
uh, doesn't write iTunes reviews very often, but decided that this was the right time. So thanks to wow. people who are uh, listening and writing iTunes reviews. We really appreciate those. Those tell uh, Apple that people listen to the show and then it helps us move up uh, the charts on iTunes. So other people, other designers like you discover the show. So if you have a second and you've been enjoying the show or, or uh, want to leave us some feedback, we really appreciate it. Uh, just open iTunes or your podcast app and, and leave us a review. So thank you to everyone who's done that so far. That's awesome. That's really cool. Thank you. It, feel, it feels good. feels real good. It feels real good. That sweet, sweet dopamine. Keep it coming. We, we, <laughs> yeah. we need those hits. Uh, we've also got some follow-up from our poll from last week's episode. So last week we talked about concept cars. And, a little uh, off the beaten path. but A little off the beaten path. Uh, we didn't hear too much feedback on it, but we had a lot of fun. And people are, are downloading the episode, so it seems like it's going okay. But yeah, we tweeted out a couple polls asking what concept cars people would be most likely to use, as well as what people thought would be most likely to become a real thing. And literally millions of people responded to these polls. Uh-huh millions i think sure i'll I'll believe you just groundbreaking like record breaking for twitter poll poll feedback so that's on our twitter account at design details fm uh, (laughs) which you should follow and participate in future polls just you know really juice our numbers there so yeah not many people voted but you're lying before (laughs) when you said the millions oh my god i'm so sorry i was lying (sighs) betrayed some folks voted we appreciate that we did two polls, right? We did one yeah. for which of these three cars is most likely to come real first, and which of these cars would you be most likely to use? And I think the viewership uh, agreed with us in that the Volvo 360 was the most likely to become real first, and the Neo Eve is the one that they want to use. Yeah. I, th- I think that's what I said as well. I think I voted for Volvo for both of them. Yeah, so. you might have. Uh, so anyways, we uh, we, we post up polls uh, semi-frequently on our Twitter. So that's it, at Design Details FM on Twitter. So thanks, everyone, who replied to the polls from last week's episode. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, hope to hope to do more of this as uh, part of our, our community outreach. Yes. Community. Oh, wow. Way to make it sound so organic, uh, Marshall. Our community outreach program here at Design Details Incorporated. I've been I've been writing a lot of perf lately. Yeah, yeah. Per- perf being performance review. Uh huh. So, <laughs> sorry, I, I'm in the lingo. I'm in. Well, right now our our listener poll feedback uh, volume is meets some expectations. Meets but really meets I mean, some. But how does that really contribute complexity and impact to the product? And <laughs> yeah. are they really uh, you know having cross functional impact? Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I'm so glad I'm not doing that right now. A couple of polls there. We're going to do more of that with our community outreach features. But let's move on to the news, Brian. Let's keep this one relatively short. We've been going a little bit long the last couple episodes. So let's yeah. try and yeah, keep this one snappy. All right. So first up, uh, this week's Sketch 52 officially launched as well as a new Sketch website. So I think I don't have much to say on, on the Sketch 52 product itself. How about you, Marshall? Not yet. I'm Not yet. gathering my thoughts and opinions. I, I do have them. I just would like them to be a little bit more organized than last time. And also, I want to get to use the data feature a little bit more. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think there's more to say there. I just am not ready to talk about it yet. But yeah, cool. So should we anticipate a review in the future? You should, Brian. All right, great. I also want to call out the new sketchapp.com. The website's great. It's really, really nice. There, there's lots of cool little touches with animations and uh, parallax that actually works kind of nicely. Parallax normally kind of sucks, but the way they've done it is like they have an artboard that parallax scrolls within the sketch UI as you scroll. 
uh, on their homepage. So you, you can check it out. Uh, their website's really nice uh, at sketchapp.com. They also have a pretty good community on Spectrum. It's a spectrum.chat slash sketch, which has like 7,000 some people in it. So lots of big stuff from, from sketch this week and 52 looks good. So looking forward to getting more in-depth thoughts from you soon, Marshall. Yeah, man, this is this is pretty cool. Yep. This, this website is pretty rad it's almost like nice it's well designed yeah (laughs) other news this week i think uh one thing i wanted to to mention was just sort of a a short story but maybe interesting to talk about marshall so figma announced an a, a contest to the developer community design community to build a figma to sketch exporter so they called it figma's first api challenge and what they wanted to build was a set of apis that makes it easier for people to actually move from figma into sketch so obviously their team has prioritized moving sketch into figma but they wanted to see what people could build if, if they prioritize or or incentivize people to use the api to move from figma to sketch anyways uh, it was a fifteen thousand dollar prize pool for this contest oh i did and see this flyocity i think tweeted yeah. about this yeah okay so yep. they, they they announced it immediately some folks on twitter started in spec work it's spec work yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the spec work flag was raised i can see the pitchforks and the torches from here so the next day 24 hours later dylan the ceo repealed the contest wrote up like, hey, we've heard loud and clear that this comes across as spec work. They stopped the contest and apologized. So I guess that's news um, because it's a thing that happened with a tool that a lot of people use. Mm-hmm. Uh, wanted, what's your your reaction to, I guess, the, the sequence of events there, as well as like the timing of it, that it happened so quickly from like, 24 <sighs> hours announcement to to apology yeah so i mean this isn't a one-off thing like this is this is just the latest in a series of spec work contests or perceived spec work contests that have have happened over the last couple decades (laughs) um this is something that people have been complaining about for a long long time so the fact that it blew up is not surprising like there's there's a ton of history behind it to to explain why people would not be happy about uh, doing a bunch of work for free. And I think part of the argument for this is like, yes, the work was going to be open sourced and used to help the community. But I mentioned that Flyocity tweeted about this and, and there was a back and forth that I read and, and it was like, and I agree with this, which is basically when a bunch of people are doing duplicated work, when they're all doing the same thing, trying to competing for one prize, that means it's a lot of wasted effort. Even if it is good for the community, it's a lot of it's a lot of wasted effort that people aren't gonna get paid for, which is kind of the definition of spec work. It's work that you do without the guarantee of getting paid for it. Speculative, yeah. Speculative, yep. This happens in the movie industry, but it's a little bit different in that like so there there are things called spec scripts i'm not sure if you've heard this term before brian uh no yeah so people write spec scripts most of the most of the movies you see nowadays that aren't a reboot a sequel a prequel an adaptation or a biopic so one movie a year yeah basically yeah so (laughs) all of the one movies that you see here uh that aren't one of those things those are usually spec scripts because it's one person well sometimes biopics uh, fall into that too where you read a biography of somebody and you're like oh this could be a good movie but for the most part it's original content from people who write a movie not necessarily for a studio but they just want to like see this movie made and then they can shop it around but the cool part about that is they can shop it around to all the different studios big, small, 
it doesn't matter because the work is its own. The problem with spec work in our industry is that it's so specific to the one person or the one company holding the contest that if you lose, all that work is worthless. Yeah. Not yeah. totally worthless. I'm sure you've learned some lessons and, you know, have some stuff. Hopefully you've, you know, grown from doing it. But aside from that, yeah, it's, it's basically wasted. So I, I get why this is a problem for people. And I never do work for free unless it's for a friend. And I would have done it for free anyways, you know, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. but yeah, for the most part, if, if somebody wants me to work, I, I hate freelance. So I charge an arm and a leg so that when somebody says, oh, OK, yeah, I'll pay that. I'm like, well, all right, I kind of have to do it now. Oh, hey, we should talk about that sometime in the future. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the end of it. But yeah. Uh, setting rates or, or finding that that rate that makes you feel comfortable enough to say yes. Anyways, uh, future topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about the uh, apology 24 hours later? Do you feel like that was the right move? How do, how do you think that comes across? I mean, yeah, because I feel like this was, even if their heart was in the right place, I think that it does come across as, you know, having a spec work contest. So yeah. to I think it was right for them to undo it and to apologize, especially as quick as they did. I think that's, you know, I didn't read the, the apology or anything like that, but like, I, you know, the, the idea of them taking it down and, and being remorseful immediately is pretty cool. Uh, that usually doesn't happen nowadays. People apologizing for things they did that are perceived as wrong. Somebody owning up to to the mistakes they've made. What? <laughs> yeah, it's if, weird. If only other people had the same uh, moral integrity as as the people running Figma. Dear God, too much to ask. So yeah, I'm I'm happy that they did this. Um, but I I think that there might be a way to you know, continue it and still achieve the goal they're trying to achieve, which is to, to build this tool and reward somebody for their hard work. But this this was not the, a contest is probably not the right way. But I, I, I like to see them continue, you know, uh, reaching out to the community. And sure, <laughs> sure. These types of things. Yeah, we'll call it a small hiccup. So anyways, that was some some news and I think worth worth calling out. Last bit of news this week is from Path. Path is officially shutting down. I got the email a few days ago. But for those of you who aren't old enough to remember Path, um, yeah. or who when, don't, what, where was it really popular? Like it was popular in some Southeast Asian countries as well. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I, I didn't think know that's, that. I think that's actually where its largest market was. I can't remember exactly. Interesting. Yeah, I, I remember it blowing up around what, like 2010, 11, 12, somewhere around there. I'm not sure. I remember I'd started working at Google by the time it was out because. We were working on G plus, and so I just wanted to have a little, um, little requiem, a little bit of a, a rip, rip for Path, because there's a few things that they did that I think are really interesting and worth talking about, or at least mentioning real quickly. So the first thing that they did is kind of unthinkable for for the, for the way things are nowadays, which is they had a friend limit. I think it was fifty. For a long, long time, they might yeah. have increased it at some point, but for a long, long, long time, years, they kept it at fifty. And the whole point was that it's not a it's not a social network; it's a personal network. You know, it's like your your family and friends, and not not your extended acquaintances and people you met at a barbecue one time or whatever, which is right. what Facebook is, right? Right. So the idea of like being really discerning about who you have, uh, who you're connected to on there, allows you to be more yourself, right? And you could mm-hmm. you could share things that are a little bit more sensitive that you might not want to blast out to all of social media. So I thought that was interesting. Another thing that they did is they had that uh, plus button in the bottom, I want to say left. Bottom center, baby. Bottom center, that's what it was, yeah. Big red plus button that when you tapped it, it rotated into an X and all the little um, post types rotated and 
shot out of it. Really nice animation that was like, I feel like kind of the epitome of of skeuomorphism at the time. Not necessarily that it was like, you know, emulating real life, but just like real attention to animation, like to, to motion and origin and destination as far as like all of the elements go. Like they had this timeline down the left side that was very much linked to every single post. Yep. And, you know, they had the, oh, they had the little timer, or like the little the clock. Uh, clock that came out of the scroll bar, right? They had a lot of these really tactile UI features that I, I thought were really interesting. And, and I think the, the plus button is kind of the epitome of that. So I actually did a design details blog post about Path. Unfortunately, my website's down right now, but I, I'm able to, I have all these videos, so I'll put this up at some point, maybe, probably not before this episode is released, but I have a bunch of old screen recordings of a lot of these animations and interactions, and it was, I don't know, I mean, we, we've come a long way since, not only I recorded these, but, I'll, so I recorded these in 2013. You know, we've come a long way since then, but especially at the time, like, a lot of this was really, really creative, expressive, uh, especially, like, the, the clock on the timeline as you scrolled down, it had this little clock that sort of an analog wrote, clock an analog clock where the hands are rotated to, to show the like time of the, to the time. yeah just really cool stuff so it's it's sad to see path you know finally shutting down i think it's been on on a long wind down but uh this week it's official so the last thing that i wanted to mention was reactions so so path had reactions on each post and it wasn't just a thumbs up or a thumbs down they had a whole range of emotion which you might recognize today uh in facebook and a lot of other places have kind of taken this idea of like, oh, there's more than just a heart, you know, or more than just a thumbs up. Like you can cry at something, you can laugh at something, you can be shocked at something, right? And it's interesting to see some of these like vestigial parts of Path live on in other apps and become more of a standard across the industry. So I just wanted to call that out and props to Path for leading the way in some of these patterns and cool little features. So props, rip, 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 rip. Props, props. That does it for news. Let's get into the meat of the episode, Brian. Let's get meaty. So I'm going to start this out, if you don't mind. Do it. This was my idea. And I guess this is kind of a fight me point counterpoint kind of thing. So we'll, we'll see how you feel about the things I'm about to say. But uh, so I've been playing a new game. Uh, it's called Shadow of the Tomb Raider. It's the latest in the Tomb Raider series. It is a series that I very much like, and I'm enjoying the game. But one of the things that I noticed when I first started playing is that there are there's difficulty settings, right? Most games have difficulty settings. You you know, easy, hard, in between. I think normal usually is what okay. it's called. Some of them are creative with what they call it. Like I think Doom says, I forget what the small one is, but it's like you're a baby. It makes fun of you for for taking it easy and like glorifies you for taking the hard mode. But this game, the way they do it, is slightly different. So in, in other games, it's the entirety of the game. If it's easy, that means everything in the game is easy. If it's hard, it means everything in the game is hard. But Shadow of the Tomb Raider gives you some um, a little bit of granularity. So you can say, I want, uh, and I tweeted about this, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but I'll, I, I want my combat to be normal. I want my exploration to be hard and I want my puzzles to be easy or you know any combination of those. So they split up combat exploration and puzzles into three separate difficulty settings, which is, I think, really interesting because the way I like to play games, I'm more in it for the story, especially these big sweeping adventure games like this or Uncharted right. or something. Right. I, I'm here for the story, right? I'm here for the, the adventure, not necessarily shooting guys in the head. Not That's not as fun for me. So yeah. I just kind of want to get through those parts so I can solve puzzles and like see cool 
uh, set pieces. So with this, I'm able to say, yeah, I'm good at puzzles and I'm, and I'm good at the exploration. So don't give me any, any hints on that stuff, like put it in hard mode, but I don't really like combat. So maybe give me easy on that so I can get through those sections pretty quick. Mm. It's made me think about how much control we give users and how much, uh, how many options we give to people on what they can change in the app. And, and there are a couple ways to, uh, there's a whole slew, there's a whole spectrum plug. There's a whole nice. spectrum of options here. Everything from you can change every pixel in the app to no, this is how it is. Don't touch anything. The latter is more of an Apple way, like a stock iOS app kind of way. And the former is more of a you know third party like Apollo, which I, I, I shared a couple weeks ago, I think. And that has like all the customization in the world. So so how, how do you feel about this? Should settings be minimal or should they be maximal, Brian? Oh, boy. All right. I have a couple initial reactions. Like one is I think there there's probably even a third option there. So I wouldn't even call... It's a spectrum. Yeah, but there I wouldn't call maximal in the way you described it as actually being maximal. I think there's a, an option beyond maximal, which is giving access to the underlying program for somebody to edit. So I think of... Oh, sure. Like even actually, further off the edge. iPhone apps today are pretty close like even if they expose a ton of stuff in settings like there's actually no fundamental way to modify or or like build on top of the app it, the app is what it is i think that's counter to more desktop software or, or certainly older software especially in the open source realm where things are like here's a bunch of settings but if you want your own you can literally build your setting like do whatever you want so anyways that that was like one reaction is i i think the spectrum has shrunk lately with with the way software is built and distributed today which is sad but it's reality my second immediate reaction was i really remember the new god of war game how did it have multiple or was there two difficulties one was tell me a story and one was i want it to be a challenge was there another like a third uh there might have been like a hardcore third. You, usually there's actually several there's like easy normal hard and then like you once you beat the game you earn like a super hard i see so there might have been more yeah, and some of them do a pretty good like illustrative naming scheme like that where they say uh, they they describe the experience you want to have as opposed to just calling it easy normal hard right yeah that that seems like a direct output of what you users and players have just been telling them over the years, right? Especially for the Tomb Raider game. I've never played any of the Tomb Raider series. Sorry. But it sounds like offended. that degree. <laughs> Marshall, quit. stop. <laughs> oh my God, he's so upset. It seems like that granularity of setting could only arise from people like you complaining about, you know, fuck combat. I only play these games for the puzzles. Like, let me change change that around well here's the thing is i've never seen this in a game before like it and not to say that it doesn't exist but i i've never i play a lot of games and i've never seen this before it's usually just all in overall difficulty adjusted right like i just started playing uh well i just finished playing spider-man a couple days ago and uh that was just one level and you can change it mid-game but like and you know if you if you feel like it's too easy uh you can ramp it up or vice versa but yeah for the most part it's Every game is just overall difficulty. So, but but it made me think, like, I really appreciate this, and I don't know if I'm weird because because I am a UI UX guy, and, like, I, I appreciate these kind of things. Like, is this something that I want in an app because I want it for me or because it's best for the user? I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. It seems like I would have to evaluate this in context of, like, 
the overall quality of the app or the game. So if if they have these three difficulty settings for Tomb Raider, but the game is buggy and the graphics suck and the storyline blows, I would question their prioritization of. Mm-hmm. Haha! You you raise <laughs> you raise a separate thing. What if I were to tell you that there are probably different teams working on the <laughs> graphics and the engine than are working on the settings? That's true, mm-hmm. but there's also deadlines that games have to ship by. There are financial constraints, like a game has a budget, and mm-hmm. that budget is going to be distributed to different teams in different ways. So I, I think while it is true that those are different teams and their their output is not correlated, uh, there might be it might tell a story about the way that company prioritized what's important for that game okay fine let's stop talking about games though let's talk about apps though i, I only use the game as an entry point to that to that right. yeah people don't care about games they want they want to hear about design stuff but i would probably say the same thing right is like if an app sucks to use but the settings are great that feels bad but if it's great to use and has no settings like that feels like a much better option um and you'll probably sure. frustrate okay. power users so for the sake of argument, let's say that okay. the app is good. Okay. So the same app with fewer options or the same app with, with far more options? <sighs> from, from, from the user's perspective? Yeah, from the user, user's perspective. Like I've, okay, so I have had to fight before to get a setting added to add not even like in the interface, just like in settings. You go to like profile settings general and that's where the thing lives just for the people who want to change it is that overkill is that giving too much control to the user like should there be more granularity and control for users who do want to discover it who do want to go that extra mile and be be a power user yeah I, i think in general that's good the part of me that hesitates the most is i just feel so bad for teams that understand how much of a nightmare it is to maintain those settings so like, That's okay, a good point. if the team has infinite resources and, and really, really talented people, then maybe it's just a, a no-brainer. Like, yeah, let, let's give as much customization as possible. But if you're building a startup or a new product and you really focus on customizability and all these settings, I think you're shooting yourself in the foot because you have to remember all of those settings and the way they modify or augment or, or interface with every other feature on, on the application. For example, like, a dark mode setting isn't trivial. It's not, It's not. oh, we've taken everything and we've made it dark. It's saying everything in the future that we build, we will build light and dark. Or QA test that it works light and dark. Uh, QA test contrast accessibility. Like it, It's a yeah. huge chunk to bite off. So from a product building perspective, I'm definitely more hesitant to add settings. I think that's just like pragmatic, like being cautious about not breaking stuff or putting too many eggs in a basket that that doesn't actually affect you know the profitability of the business but Mm -hmm. from a user perspective hell yeah it's super fun to be able to get a reading (laughs) experience exactly how you want oh i like this font i like this color i like this gesture to to navigate like yeah go for it (laughs) yeah i think i mean i definitely think there's an argument to be made for sensible defaults right right is what you're getting at which is Yeah. yeah like we the builders of this app understand what we're trying to do and what we're trying to deliver and anything outside that scope is 
is unnecessary and the things that we do give you, we're going to give it to you the way we want you to use it and the way that we think it is best to be used. This is very much an Apple philosophy, right? Like, right, right. Uh, we know better than you do. You're holding it wrong, right? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Which always makes me feel unempowered, disempowered. It makes me feel as though I could have it my way, but the developers of the app are saying that what I want is wrong and not worth yeah. working on, right? Which isn't necessarily what they're actually saying. But <laughs> you more subscribe to the Burger King way of life. Please elucidate. <laughs> have it your way. Elaborate. <laughs> oh, Brian! What the? Or, or dare I say, the Backstreet Boys way of life? Uh huh. I want it that way. <laughs> yeah. You gonna you gonna sing for me, Brian? I will not. Uh, mostly uh. for uh, avoiding future blackmail. But I I guess I I would maybe return to that empowerment thing because I think that's an interesting reason for feeling strange about settings being left out because I feel. From an empowerment perspective, we're less empowered than ever before in the history of computing and applications, but mm -hmm. we've mm -hmm. forgotten how it used to be. Like you used to be able to customize lots of things because you could really get at the internals or or applications were built with like end user programmability in mind. That just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, Maybe in I games, like you can you can mod games, right? Yeah, you can mod games. You can also, I'm thinking of like the web is probably the only place where not only can you adjust, like do plugins and, and add-ons to change your experience. I'm thinking of like Reddit has a ton of, of uh, specialty mods, but there's also the idea that like I can see the code. The thing about the web is like, if I'm curious how somebody wrote something, unless they minified everything, like I can go in and, and figure out how they achieved an animation or a specific layout and actually like steal that code if I want to yeah, and exactly. use it in my own thing or adjust it manually, like write something on top of it that adjusts the CSS or whatever to make it my own. Yeah, I feel like the web is probably the, the last bastion when it comes to pure pure changeability a really great example of this i uh was i think it's just called the better github chrome extension and it was part of a series i think there's better twitter better facebook yeah i was gonna say there's a lot of betters yeah but it was like community efforts to build chrome plugins that would just augment the underlying website by mm -hmm. just executing javascript to tap certain elements classes ids to change styling move things hide things that kind of stuff Right. And the GitHub one's particularly interesting because now the GitHub team is actually working through that that list of modifications and really thinking hard about which ones should be backfilled as like a first party integration into the software. So so the extensibility, the access to the code led to community efforts to build a better thing, which is now making its way back into like GitHub proper. And I think those kinds of stories are super rare and will only become more rare going forward. And I, I think that's the, the degree of customization that we dream of. But I also understand, like, ha how do you do that on a phone, right? Yeah, I mean, well, you, uh, Unsandbox you jailbreak. Things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you jailbreak, which there's some really cool jailbreak stuff. I'm not sure anymore. I haven't done it in the last few years. But back in the day, there used to be a ton of really cool iOS stuff, which, as you mentioned, has made its way into... Yeah, a lot of jailbreak inventions made its way made their way back into app switcher uh yeah. control center yeah yeah there's a ton of that stuff so yeah i think it's interesting when not necessarily sherlocking are you familiar with sherlocking no i'm not sorry i'm all over the place but uh, sherlock is a term for when a company builds a feature that a third party has built for 
that first party application and just builds it right into the first party builds it right into their app own application, essentially killing the entire business model of that third party. I see. The eponymous example of this is with a, an app called Sherlock for Mac OS oh, 6 or something. I see. That, Spotlight. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it became Spotlight. And then, yeah, so now it's being called Sherlocked. So, for example, uh, Sketch Sherlocked Midnight with 52. Yeah, as a weird sentence to say, but, but yeah. people will get it somehow. Yeah. That that combination of words makes it sense. Makes sense in context. What's a uh, night shift? Night shift came from flux, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, flux. F dot lux. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of these things make their way back in. But again, this is this goes back to my point of like people want control, and when when you don't give them that control, they'll do everything they can, whether it's through jailbreak or you know JavaScript overwriting to get that functionality. And eventually, the builders of that app, the developers, the designers, hear that loud enough that they realize that people want to use their app in a different way than they've intended, and either they continue to fight or they relent. And I like it when when companies relent and actually <laughs> listen to their users. You like being, you like having it your way. I want it that way, Brian. Yeah. Tell me why. <laughs> why? Oh man, that's nothing but a heartache. <laughs> Tell me why. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. We could do this all day, but we shouldn't. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. Should Should we wrap up this conversation on settings? Is there a conclusion statement that we can make here? So I, th- I think a, a conclusion that we could both agree upon is that early on in development, it's important to... F- Focus your attention on the battles that you think are most important to win in order to win the war and ignore those that are are less important, even if it means slight user dissatisfaction. But as your product becomes more mature and people start to figure out how they want to use their app, use your app, regardless of whether it's the way you want them to use your app or not, recognizing the signals that you get, whether through hacker culture or add-ons or or just plain old customer feedback and and relent give in to the will of the people yeah i can get on board with that we've solved we're solving problems here ryan we're making things happen left and right pop culture references out the wazoo let's wrap up uh did you find anything cool this week so my cool thing real quick little piece of hardware it's what i use in my house it is a a router system no yeah a router system i always mix up modems and routers this is a router a wi-fi mesh network yes no, literally, Utility. that's exactly that's exactly what it is. It's a it's called Eero E E R O. Uh, it's a it is a wireless mesh network that uh, usually when you have multiple routers in your house, some of the bandwidth f- of your of your Wi-Fi goes towards those routers talking back and forth to each other. So your your maximum upload and download speed drops as soon as you add a second router to your house. And if you have a relatively large house or two floors or bad connections, um, you don't have Wi-Fi in a certain room or something, it's important to have better coverage. So you add a, add a router and things get worse. So Eero is intentionally made for this purpose where they use a mesh network that I'm waving my hands right now. I have no idea how it works. But basically all of the bandwidth loss that you would otherwise get is no longer a problem and you keep your full upload and download speeds with the ability to have access all the way into the corners of your house. You can buy just one if you want to, you can buy two. They have a three pack. They also have little extenders called a, I want to say it's called a connect, an Eero connect. 
which like my, my, the master bathroom in my house doesn't have great Wi-Fi, So we just put one of these little things that plugs into the wall. It doesn't have any ethernet cables or anything. It's just basically an extender to this mesh network. And it gives you access into like the, the deep corners of your house that don't necessarily get affected by, or don't, don't have coverage on your normal routers. So yeah, that's Eero. I'm a big fan of it. It's, I have, I have a three-story house and very thick floors. So the Wi-Fi, no bueno. It yeah. just makes it uh, makes it really awesome. Not a sponsor as well. This is not a, a sponsor. A but real, real, honest to goodness uh, product endorsement. Full throated endorsement. Yes. Yes. Cool. And and I can vouch for the quality of the the internet at your house whenever do you I have, visit. Oh, oh, I was gonna say, do you have yours? Oh no, you just been over to my house and use the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, also Comcast is to thank for that. So. Oh, hang on. Strangely cut that. Enough. Cut that. Cut that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, man. Credit where it's due. Uh, Xfinity got some speeds here in SF. All right. So my cool thing this week uh, comes from Tokyo, where Bryn and I are spending the week. And it is Gachapon, or Gachapon, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, it, According to Wikipedia, you can go both ways there. Gachapon is a vending machine dispensing capsule toy popular in Japan and elsewhere. Uh, You might have seen them in, I don't know, where would you see them in the States? Like arcades or uh, like crappy restaurants or something yeah like, i feel like there was a white castle in chicago gross, grocery near stores, my house maybe that had a that had yeah. like yeah it's like basically the little uh plastic blister thing that you put a quarter in it pops out a, a, a ring or a, yeah like a ring pop or like a bouncy yeah. ball or something but here they are culturally relevant and there are entire stores and like multi-floor shops built around uh gachapon so yesterday Bryn and I, I think we were walking through a mall. We saw a Gachapon store. Uh, we got one and just got hooked. And we spent the rest <laughs> of the afternoon uh, literally just going to different Gachapon places. It was very fun. But I I think the, the thing that's interesting is you have everything has a little collection. Every dispenser has a collection mm-hmm. and you, people have goals of working through those collections. Um, but what we learned a little bit later on in the afternoon is that there are stores that will just sell the whole collection to you, so you don't have to gamble and waste money. Um, and so, where's we, the fun in that, Brian? Yeah, exactly. So we had we had a little bit of a conversation after, like, is it worth it to get the thing that you want, or to have wasted money playing a game of chance to get the thing that you want? Yeah, is it is it the hunt? Like, do yeah. do you like is life a journey or a destination, Brian? According yeah. to to Aerosmith, it would say it is the latter. No, it's it, the former. The former. Life's a journey. That. That it is, Marshall, and, <laughs> and a journey we did have because we spent quite a lot of dollars <laughs> on Gacha Pond. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's my cool thing this week, uh, a fun little little cultural touchstone here in, in Japan that we enjoyed for an afternoon. I, I watched an anime called uh, Steins Gate, which is actually really good. It's a pretty cool um, time travel anime, but there's a there's a character who, it's like a major plot point that, that she buys uh Got, she goes to a gachapon thing and, and uh, gets a specific toy out of it in certain timelines. That's that's my main interaction with gachapon. Oh, you didn't do any while you were here? No, I don't gamble. I mean, it, it it's like a dollar, dude. <laughs> yeah, but also I don't like little things. I don't like I don't yeah. like tchotchkes. I, you've been in my house. I don't have any like little stuff around. No keepsakes. Yeah. No little things. They're just you know what it is. That stuff is like a it's they're dust collectors uh-huh. as far as I'm concerned. Uh-huh. Like having a bunch of toys and stuff for me it's like 
I would, it's just constant upkeep and I can't be bothered. So yeah, I'll be surrounded by plain, everything just like clean, smooth surfaces and I can dust those very easily. So there are two alternate uses. One is like put them on, on your desk at work because coworkers like playing with toys. I, I remember that distinctly at Facebook, like certain people had toy desks and that's where people would want to go and like hang out and shoot the shit because you could just like fiddle with things while you were talking or having a design review or something. Sure. The other is they are very nice, inexpensive, uh, culturally relevant gifts to give to people. Hmm. Yeah. No, that actually, that makes a lot of sense. It's a good, uh, keep or like a souvenir <laughs> to bring back. I, I do have, I do have one toy on my desk, which I'm holding up right now, which is a, a fidget cube, which was popular before Actually, it was never really popular, but it was before the... Uh, popular the f- among very, very few people. <laughs> yeah, it was like a Kickstarter or something, but um, there was a, the, the fidget spinner craze, if you'll remember, from a couple of years ago. This is kind of in that same realm, but not a spinner. It's a, it's a cube with six different sides, and each one has a different thing to fidget with, whether it's a switch, like a little toggle switch that goes back and forth, or a little buttons that press, and each one has a different click style, or like a little wheel that you can spin around, or a little indentation where you can like run your finger on it and it like feels smooth and nice this is the only thing i have on my desk that is a desk dust collector everything else is like utilitarian all right well now i know that uh to not get you uh, a gotcha pun yeah don't buy me shit i'll just throw it away unless it's right. a collector's item in which case i'll sell it <laughs> <laughs> that's horrible sorry <laughs> i wouldn't no i just throw it away <laughs> especially if it's a collector's item mm-hmm Okay, we're going long here. Let's get out of here. We're going long. Let's wrap it up. Uh, Huge thank you to you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. This was episode 268, produced, edited, mastered by Sarah and Drew, the masterminds behind the show who make Marshall and I sound smarter than we are. Also, thank you to ProtoPie for making this episode possible. ProtoPie is a high-fidelity prototyping tool. It's available on Mac and Windows. It works with Adobe XD. It's going to load on your iPhone and your Android phone. It is a wonderful prototyping tool with a beautifully simple mental model for building high fidelity prototypes that you can share and collaborate on. You can try it now at protopie.io. You can get a 17 day free trial. And then when you're ready to upgrade, you can use the promo code design details to get 30% off of a one year license. And that is valid through October 30th, 2018. So go to protopie.io and use the promo code design details. This episode is also brought to you by Asana. Hey, you looking for a job? Asana might gotcha. Gotcha pun. <laughs> Asana gotcha pun. Gotcha pun their list of people to interview. <laughs> That's good. So are you looking for a job? Asana's got jobs to give. Are you a product designer? Are you a design They're manager? They're just handing them out these days. Mm-hmm. Jobs left and right. Up to and as many as six of them. <laughs> They're going to be in Chicago in late October from October 23rd through the 26th. So that's before that protopie code goes, goes bad. And they're going to be in Austin, Texas from November uh, 6th through the 9th. So go to asana.design, click on the links at the top for either product designers or design managers, and uh, get you that interview and get you that gig. Thanks, Asana. Much appreciated. Thank you, Asana and Protopie. Thank you, dear listener, for listening. If you want to follow along, we're on Twitter, at DesignDetailsFM. Uh, we tweet out the shows. We tweet out polls. We ask questions there, so follow along. If you want to come hang out with other listeners of the show, go to our Spectrum community at spectrum.chat specfm. If you have been enjoying the show, we'd really, really appreciate an iTunes review. 
I know it just takes a second, uh, but we read those reviews and these, uh, those reviews help us move up the charts. And they also give us good dopamine rushes. Yeah, those dopamine hits. Mm-hmm. But especially it helps us move up the charts so that other designers like you can discover the show. So if you have a second and are feeling good about things, uh, we would appreciate an iTunes review. Uh, that's it. If you're, if you're still listening, I, I appreciate you listening this long. It, it means a lot to us that you uh, stuck through the ads both times, and, or at least the second time. And, uh, you know, you're still listening. Maybe maybe you couldn't reach the controls fast enough to, to fast forward to the next podcast, but we appreciate you're still here. Maybe there should be some sort of like a little stinger here as a, as a reward for episode 268, listening for the end. What well, do you think? we usually do, well, not usually, but sometimes we do cold opens, mm-hmm. which is when there's a, a little snippet of something that wasn't good enough to be in the episode, but is funny on its own, out of context. And we put that before the show, and sometimes we do the same thing as a little stinger after the show, after the music stops. So maybe Drew will find one of those in this hour-long ramble that we just did. Yeah. But uh, thanks for listening to the end, and stay tuned for potentially a stinger. <laughs> or not. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Tell me why. (laughs) Tell me why. I think the conclusion that, well, an agreement that we can come to at the end of this is, hold for a burp. Um, sorry. <laughs> Please Thanks keep that you. in, Drew. <laughs> no. Please. It was such a weak burp. It was just enough. It was just hanging out the back of my throat. And needed to it, it was a very sad burp.